construction industry also needs to think about designing buildings and infrastructure that can adapt to some of the impacts of climate change that are already locked in place. Hi, I'm Prab Banga. And I'm Adam Borgatti. Welcome to the Road to Net Zero. Acon's sustainability podcast. Welcome to Road to Net Zero, Acon's podcast. Our podcast is all about the challenges and opportunities with making the construction industry more sustainable. To date, we've focused on new technologies, trends, and innovation. But today, we are going to tackle a challenge, a challenge that we're all faced with, the impact of climate change. Organizations like the United Nations and World Health Organization have deemed climate change as the biggest threat to modern humans have ever faced. Thanks, Prab. And to add to that, in their most recent report, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, made some key points about the broad impacts of climate change. may be obvious to many, but worth restating. Unambiguous confirmation that the Earth's climate is getting warmer. Temperatures throughout the world have risen since the turn of the 20th century, and oceans have increased in temperature, sea levels have risen, and glaciers are melting. Also in that same IPCC report, they indicate that all businesses and industries are facing significant impacts of climate change, including construction. We often talk about the impact of the construction industry on climate change, but today we'll discuss the impact of climate change on construction. Talking to us about climate change and construction is Shashanka Suresh, a climate strategist with Manifest Climate. Manifest Climate is a leading global climate risk planning solution and it's designed to support organizations with climate-related insights, analytics, and recommendations. With experience working in green buildings and construction, as well as having expertise in developing climate resilience strategies and climate risk management process for over eight years, Shashanka helps companies in various stages of maturity evolve their climate journey. So thanks very much for joining us, Shashanka. Thank you both. I'm happy to be here. So Shashanka, to get things started, uh, let's level set here. Um, for all our listeners, um, you know, we've all heard of the term climate change, but maybe you can give us a high-level definition and also define what the physical risks and transitional risks associated with climate change are, both of which we'll discuss later. At a high level, climate change refers to a change in long-term climate and weather patterns, which can be attributed either directly or indirectly to human activity and occurs in addition to the natural changes that would be observed over similar time periods. Over time, the term has become synonymous with global warming, which occurs when a large amount of greenhouse gases accumulate in the Earth's atmosphere and prevent heat from escaping out. Now, this is a naturally occurring process, but there is scientific evidence that human activities, like the burning of fossil fuels, have increased the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere to unprecedented levels. You can almost think of climate change as a threat multiplier. More than being a risk in and of itself, it significantly multiplies and exacerbates other risks that we face as businesses and as society. Extreme weather events, droughts and hurricanes can play havoc on communities. And these impacts could potentially lead to mass migrations and put these communities at risk of running out of food, out of water and essential resources. Associated supply chain and market disruptions can severely affect businesses. And as governments try to put measures in place to curb greenhouse gas emissions, businesses and societies will need to reimagine current activities and processes. Now, climate-related risks can be categorized as either physical risks, 
which arise from changes in weather and climate, or transition risks, which arise from global efforts to transition towards a low-carbon economy. Physical risks can either be acute, which are shorter and event-driven, like floods, storms, and wildfires, or they can be chronic, which are longer-term shifts in climate patterns, like sea level rise or chronic heat waves. The financial impacts of physical risks can include loss of productivity, reduced revenues for businesses, and increased capital costs. Transition risks, on the other hand, can be related to policy and regulatory changes that aim to achieve a low-carbon future, as well as technological advances that can put existing carbon-intensive processes at risk of going obsolete. They can also be related to changing customer preferences and demand for more sustainable products, and reputational risks related to certain businesses and industries that are not operating in a sustainable manner. The financial impacts of transition risks can be due to increased legal liabilities, increase in operating costs and insurance costs, as well as reduced revenue. Thanks, Ashanka. I mean, very insightful, obviously, across the board. Curious that uh, you've frame them in those two categories, which we can maybe hit on a little later, which are the short-term shocks, which you know have to be dealt with in certain ways, and then there's the longer-term impacts and or opportunities, which I guess we can all start to get our heads around. And so, you know, being in the construction industry where Acon operates, how should we and why should we be concerned about this climate change? Well, there is no doubt that the buildings and construction sector is a huge part of the world economy. Uh, a recent estimate showed that based on current global trends, we are expected to add floor space equal to the size of New York City every month until 2060. I'm going to let that number sink in. That is a lot of buildings being built every month over the next nearly 40 years. Um, the Paris Agreement, which was a historical climate agreement that came into effect in 2016, binds global climate commitments to limit global average temperatures to well below two degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels. However, a report that was put forth by the IPCC, the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change in 2018, warned that even limiting average temperature rise to two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels could lead to devastating consequences as a result of climate change, and that governments and businesses should try to work towards limiting average temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. So we clearly have a lot of work to do. The buildings and construction sector faces two types of challenges with respect to climate change. On one hand, you have the physical climate hazards that might impact construction sites and supply chains. And on the other hand, the sector contributes to nearly 40% of current global greenhouse gas emissions and understandably is under a lot of scrutiny. With many governments and organizations committing to drive decarbonization efforts to accelerate the transition to a more sustainable future, the construction industry has the responsibility to try and reduce its emissions and therefore its environmental impact. Okay, and you define physical and transitional risks. So now coming to the construction industry, what would you say are some of the physical and transitional risks associated with climate change and the impact on construction? So to give you a few examples, physical climate risks like extreme heat events can impact worker productivity at job sites and delay construction projects. Floods can impact the supply chain involved in the procurement of raw materials required for construction. And buildings in regions 
prone to storms and wildfires might need to be constructed with more durable materials or include special design considerations. And when it comes to transition risks, construction projects might have to make use of more sustainable materials, having a lower carbon footprint uh, in order to meet stricter regulations. For example, the European Union in December of last year reached an agreement to impose a tax on imports to the region based on the greenhouse gas emissions associated with the materials being imported. Now, this would force manufacturers to develop low carbon building materials like steel and concrete in order to remain competitive. Governments could also come out with more stringent building codes that require more energy and water efficient buildings. A great example is New York City's Local Law 97, which will require a number of buildings in the city to meet energy efficiency and greenhouse gas emission limits by 2024. We are also seeing other examples of these risks materializing across the world. A number of regulations and frameworks are calling for organizations across different sectors, including construction, to better disclose the climate risks that they face and to ensure that they are on the path to achieving net zero emissions. There are also recent examples of extreme weather events like Hurricane Fiona that hit Canada's east coast last year and wildfires in British Columbia and California that have devastated communities and have also resulted in buildings and infrastructure in some of these regions not being eligible for insurance payouts. Definitely on the client side, we are encouraged that we are seeing, as you noted, more specifications, more requirements for greener building standards. It's It's been a challenge for us trying to push some of these initiatives ahead without the opportunity for bidding into procurements that, that allow for it. And it's, it's always been a bit of a struggle. So we would echo that we're seeing that as well. On the materials side that you mentioned, what are some of the bigger impacts that you've seen are the most promising? You mentioned steel and concrete, which is where some of the focuses of our work has been, and we've had a few guests on the podcast as well. Are you seeing any green shoots of opportunity here that would make the most impact from your work? Yeah, so um, typically when we think about the greenhouse gas emissions associated with buildings, we tend to only think about the emissions associated with energy consumption to keep the lights on um, and to keep the heating and cooling systems functioning. Now, these emissions are called operational emissions, and they're only a small part of the pie. However, the emissions associated with the materials used for construction to manufacture and synthesize them, to transport them to the construction site and to put up a building, as well as the emissions associated with disposal and end of life stage are substantially higher. These emissions are called embodied carbon emissions. The International Resource Panel, which is a group launched by the United Nations, has estimated that by using more sustainable and less carbon intensive materials for construction in the G7 countries alone, it is possible to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions associated with buildings by 80% in 2050 compared to current levels. Now, if you think about materials that are absolutely essential for construction, like steel and concrete, like you mentioned, these are carbon intensive materials, meaning they have a high amount of embodied carbon emissions. So in a bid to reduce greenhouse gas emissions during constructions, we need to think about one, how to reduce the use of these materials in buildings, either by more innovative design that requires less raw materials or by using recycled materials like scrap steel from decommissioned buildings, for example. And two, we need to figure out more sustainable ways to manufacture these essential materials. 
for example, by reducing the amount of limestone required uh, to manufacture cement or by switching from coal to cleaner fuels in steel manufacturing plants. Um, I believe you've already spoken about low carbon and even carbon negative concrete in previous episodes of this podcast. And this trend is definitely gaining momentum in the construction industry. There are also some global initiatives underway, like the World Economic Forum's Net Zero Steel Sector Transition Strategy, which was uh, first launched in 2021 and is backed by some of the world's largest steel producers. Thanks, Shashanka, and thanks for that plug there for our our other episodes about carbon negative concrete and green concrete. Um, So we talked about the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, and how they've encouraged companies to align with a 1.5 Celsius pathway. So what does that specifically mean? What does it specifically look like for the construction industry? So if a construction company wants to align to that 1.5 pathway, what would that mean? So again, there are, I think, two two things that come to mind here. When you think about that 1.5 degree pathway that has been prescribed by the IPCC, uh, companies need to think about what measures they can implement to um you know, achieve that the decarbonization required to meet those requirements, as well as some of these impacts are already locked in. So even if we were to reduce all emissions um, globally today, we would still face some of the impacts of climate change um, for the at least short term um, future. So as businesses try to navigate through the challenges posed by the climate change crisis, they need to think about integrating these effective strategies to adapt to these climate risks that are already materializing, as well as develop robust roadmaps to decarbonize their operations and transition towards a more sustainable future. To manage the impacts of physical climate risks like extreme weather and floods, the construction industry needs to plan for preparatory measures during the use phase of buildings and infrastructure. Now, this could include constructing with more durable materials, ensuring the installation of effective heating and cooling systems, efficient water management during construction and use phase, and designing more resilient buildings. So for example, this could be the use of flood protection barriers in coastal areas. And to manage the impacts of transition risks, the construction industry can look at the use of low carbon construction materials, the implementation of clean energy systems in buildings and infrastructure, and designing buildings that can use recycled materials and reduce the amount of waste in the end-of-life stage. Okay, so you've touched on it in, in this answer, but just to wrap up, if a construction company is, is looking to start their climate change journey and think about what their strategy is, what would you say the next steps are? What sort of initiatives and strategies should they be looking at? So again, if um, as a construction company looking to, you know, achieve either their own targets or the targets that have been prescribed by governments and um, other industry coalitions, they need to think about how they can reduce associated carbon emissions throughout their life cycle. So again, like I mentioned, this could be in procuring more sustainable materials, in finding more efficient ways to uh, to put buildings up, as well as to design more energy, water, and resource efficient buildings. And the construction industry also needs to think about designing 
buildings and infrastructure that can adapt to some of the impacts of climate change that are already locked in place. So for floods and storms and wildfires, some of these events might continue to occur in the short term and taking some of these considerations in the design phase and during the construction phase uh, will definite, definitely help the, uh, the construction industry be better equipped to manage the climate crisis. Excellent. Well, listen, I think, uh, you know, challenge accepted on our part. Uh, these are some tough mandates to put in place, but we are up for the challenge and very excited at uh, the opportunity ahead. A little obviously daunting given uh, what we're all facing uh, from a planet perspective. So we'd uh, really like to thank you for your time today, Shashanka, and wish you and the team uh, all the very best, Prab. Thank you so much, Shashanka, for joining us, and thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you so much. So one of the things that Shashanka touched on was the use of technology um, to help mitigate the impacts of climate change in the construction industry. So that's using technologies to monitor extreme weather conditions, um, to assess heat waves, um, and then also just using technologies to 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 look at you know flood prevention or, or even landslides as well. So I think you know in in terms of sort of the shorter term impacts on operations, um, it's it's really using technology to, to help assess some of the risks associated with extreme weather patterns. Yeah, I agree. There's probably some more room for things like forecasting into contractual frameworks. How do you get weather related, you know, options or alternatives if you have too many heat or snow or rain days? Um, you know, using that kind of data to be more predictive rather than just try and adjust for these things going backwards. Because this is where a lot of our productivity gets impacted on these major programs and projects. Last year, we had big uh, flooding impacts in Western Canada. We've obviously talked about the Eastern Canada hurricanes on our podcast. And so perhaps that's a new way that technology gets interwoven into how we deal with uh, impacts to projects is, is a bit more predictive type use of weather technologies. Yeah, and in our own operations, I know we're making more and more use of telematics to look at the performance of equipment in different um, weather patterns. I mean, we we tested out an electric excavator and we tested out in the summer months and we're going to do the same in the winter months. And and that's all just to look at the the impact of weather um, on our equipment as well. I think even you know, the use of waste, um, minimizing those sorts of elements, making sure you've got adequate supply chain redundancy. Um, you know, it may not be as efficient as just-in-time deliveries or production, but in anticipation of perhaps inclement weather or things that would impact uh, delivery when things are most needed, you may have to have uh, the ability to front load some of your supply or change your course of action on a project just to account for these weather impacts so that you've got at least the ability to manage around schedule and, and risk of, of impacts, you know, really derailing a project. So maybe there's some of the other things that are in process on that. Yeah, and one thing's for sure, in, in order for the industry to really deal with the risks associated with climate change, it will involve um, research, res- further research into long-term impacts of, of climate change on the construction industry, as well as collaboration. Um, so taking more of an integrated approach to design and planning and being involved at the earlier stages of projects um, to make sure some of those climate change mitigation and adaptation planning initiatives are included. And then, of course, innovation. So access to new technology, new materials, and, and really, I think research, collaboration, and innovation are going to be required if we're going to be well positioned to deal with this um, threat, the biggest threat of the 21st century. I think a great example, obviously, of the longer term impacts that you describe, you know, we, we refer to how do you deal with short term shocks and impacts to projects that are in flight. But 
as we're building assets for the long term, the Bermuda International Airport that we built and went online in 2020 is a great example of you know withstanding Cat 5 hurricanes, being tested around all those impacts that as we recognize increasing frequencies in hurricanes and weather-related events, this was uh, an asset that was developed and very collaboratively with the clients and partners to be a weather-resistant asset. And I think it's a it's a tremendous tool and, a, and an opportunity for others to look at these things to say, these are essential infrastructure assets. And when you have to rely on them for people's safety, the supply chain, travel, uh, relocation of goods, those sorts of areas, you've got to make sure you've got assets that are built for the long term. So it may seem like a bit more upfront costs, no question over the longer term, this is what we need to be doing. Great. So we've tackled our, our first um, episode focused on challenges associated with uh, climate change and sustainability. So good job, Adam. Thanks very much and stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Acon Group Inc. for more updates and teasers about upcoming episodes. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to our Road to Net Zero podcast. <laughs>